You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. We've got a cool conversation for you today with classical ballerina turned nutritionist, food scientist, Pilates instructor, and studio owner, Kate Boyle. Kate runs Mind and Movement Pilates in Melbourne, Australia, and she is so freaking knowledgeable about the human body and mind and what it physically takes to go from surviving to thriving. In today's episode, she shares about her survival mode past, how Pilates eliminated her pain and changed her life, and some quick actionable tips to start moving more and eating better right now without the overwhelm or stress. She also walks us through a Pilates posture so that you can improve your back, breathing, and really your whole body during the show. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Kate. Hi, thanks so much for having me on the show, Erica. Yeah. So for me now, it's already tomorrow where you are and my today is your yesterday. So I'm super happy to be connected from literally across the world because that is so wild to me. (laughs) Yeah. You summed it up like perfectly. Um, (laughs) It's really funny because because I'm in Australia, whenever I am generally chatting to anybody from around the world, we're, we're in front. So I'm usually always the day ahead and everyone's like, oh, so what's the future like? <laughs> yeah. What's tomorrow looking like? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wild. Okay. But I think this is going to be such a cool conversation for people because you were an elite level dancer, classical ballet, right? And had um, yeah. gravitated towards a health related career. So like kind of connected, but also kind of different. So now you're a nutritionist and a food scientist and you own and operate mind and movement Pilates, which is a wellness studio in Melbourne, Australia. Super cool. So tell us all about you and what you do and how you went from being a classical dancer and a very good one at that to now doing something totally different in the entrepreneurial vein and running your own fitness studio. Sure. So, yeah, so I am uh, Kate Boyle. I am a nutritionist and a Pilates instructor, and I run my own studio in Melbourne. So I, you know, work with people from all different areas, all different forms, injured, super healthy and fit athletes, dancers. I do a lot of rehab work with people. And I kind of sort of branched into this field because growing up as a dancer, I tore the meniscus in my knee when I was 16. So, you know, realistically, they kind of said, look, you can keep going. Um, You're never going to be a principal dancer. You're never going to be up the front. You know, you've got a career ending injury, essentially. You can keep going, but it's always going to be in the back of everybody's minds if you audition or you have any flare ups. So I kind of went, well, that sort of career is now over. 
And I taught dancing for a while once I went to university and, and kept dance in my life. And I still, I've got two little girls now, so I'm always, you know, dancing around the house and they're doing dancing. So I help them. Um, but I ended up sort of navigating into the nutrition field because as a dancer, I had a lot of issues with restrictive eating, you know, I, you know, you'd probably hear and everybody, it has that stigma, but when somebody is looking at you constantly it's how you look in that leotard on the stage everyone's after a certain look all the time that pressure of looking a certain way uh, really impacts your mental health and for me you know to look the look and to get skinnier and thinner and all the rest of it my go-to was to just essentially stop eating or really restrict what I was eating and over-exercise at the same time so having a lot of those issues, I thought, well, if my dance career is going to be over, one, I need to fix myself. And two, it would be great to be able to help other people and other young dancers that are going through this as well. So that's kind of how I navigated into the nutrition field and went to university. And whilst I was studying at university, one of my dance teaching friends said, why don't you, she'd just done the Pilates course and she said, why don't you go do the Pilates course? You've done Pilates before, you know, you know, you know, it's been great for your injuries. And I said, yeah, why not? Another great way to, you know, get a qualification, have a job on the side, earn some money while I'm at uni. So I went off and did the Pilates course. And at that time I was training for triathlons. So I was doing a lot of running, a lot of cycling and swimming. And I was injured. So I had sacroiliac joint pain. I had hamstring pain. I had my previous injuries from dancing and I started doing the course and I started doing more Pilates and I really, I just got rid of my own injuries. And I had seen physios, chiros, you know, all the people and nothing had really changed anything until I started Pilates. So I, you know, did the course and I sort of found how much it really helped me. And then I started teaching people and it was when I was teaching people Pilates, they'd bring up, you know, oh, I don't feel very comfortable doing other exercise because I'm a bit overweight I'm carrying this extra weight and I'm having these digestive issues so then I'd be talking to them about the nutrition whilst we're doing the movement and I found that my clients improved even more integrating the two together and that's how you know I ended up graduating uni I was working as a nutritionist in for a food company doing Pilates on the side but it wasn't for me sitting down eight hours a day as a nutritionist you know I just had the itch to get up and move and also I had a very uh, strict boss who didn't want to give me any leeway. It's really ironic now because everybody is working from home. But 15 years ago, you know, I said to them, uh, I would love to teach dancing after I finish work. Can I leave 15 minutes early on a Wednesday if I start 15 minutes early or half an hour early? And he was like, no, this is the hours. There is no leeway, not even 15 minutes. And I kind of went... I don't want to work in an environment where if you won't even give me 15 minutes of shifting my time on a you know full-time salary wage job, I just don't think this is the type of environment for me. And so that's when I I went off. I was, you know, working, got a job at a Pilates studio, was seeing some of my own nutrition clients, started building up clientele by working at the local community center, running my own classes. And then eventually I opened my own studio. And that's how I've kind of ended up where I am today. It's awesome. So why do you think, especially since you do know so much about the human body, nutrition, all of that, 
given the injuries that you had, why do you think Pilates specifically made such a difference, especially when you had tried other things really just to no avail? I think it's the integration of it. So generally when you go to see somebody and and say you've torn your hamstring, they're going to give you hamstring strengthening exercises and they may give you some exercises that stabilizes your glute and your hip. When I started doing Pilates, one of the major things was we actually started, I started thinking about my breath. I never thought about breathing before. That just happens, you know? And so really starting to connect to my breath, learning the integration of how everything works together, fascial connections, obviously strengthening my core was a huge part of that because as a dancer, everyone assumes you have a really strong core, but you tend to strengthen the wrong muscles. You tend to have have a very strong pelvic floor and our pelvic floor should be strong, but it should be able to relax and contract. And as a dancer, I just had an overly strong pelvic floor. So I was gripping from my pelvic floor and overworking my obliques. So more of my superficial core muscles and not making the connection that everything works together. I guess I was young too, so I hadn't really made those connections. Um, But yeah, the breath was a really big thing, learning about my core and what muscles are really crucial for strengthening your core. And also just the integrated movement. So a lot of the movements in Pilates, you know, we're moving from the fingertips of one hand to the opposite foot. We're working and creating a balance of our postural muscles And majority of the exercise we do is all our global. So our global muscles are our quads and our glutes and our hamstrings, these really big muscle groups. And Pilates made me sort of become aware of the smaller muscle groups that were kind of getting left behind in my other activities. That was going to be my next question is, can you describe a little more in depth what Pilates is on a more basic level for anyone listening who's like, wait, is it like yoga? Is it like in a studio? Is it like, what, what is it? (laughs) Yeah. So essentially Pilates is working on, it's a core strengthening program that works the whole body. What's amazing about it is that you can either use equipment or you can make exercises super easy, or you can make them super hard. So some of my clients, you know, are in their eighties. I've got a client that has bone cancer and I can still do a workout with them. And then I've got dancers and athletes that I can still do a workout with them. And everybody comes away feeling really good after moving. So I think that's one of the benefits of it. I think it can be a bit scary when we see it on social media. You know, we see all these lovely women doing, you know, legs up to their ears and these amazing looking exercises, but it really can be tailored for everybody. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for Pilates. Mm-hmm. So backtracking a little bit, what did survival mode look like for you? Because I think it looks different for everybody and especially approaching it from something like a nutritional lens. Maybe you have got such a wide, I mean, there's so much variation in what that looks like for people, whether that's people maybe doing restrictive eating, like what you were doing or people who are um, just not even caring about nutritional value of anything and eating anything and everything that sounds good in the moment. Like the spectrum is obviously huge. So for you, when you look back and you're like, all right, I was just surviving. Like I was barely getting by. I knew I needed a shift. What did that actually look like for you before you kind of registered? All right. I need to step into a different step into a different place here. 
So generally for me, it was exercising in the morning. So I would get up and I would either run or I would do a a workout of some sort. I'd often work out in my room so that my parents didn't know how much exercise I was doing at the time. Um, Food-wise, it was as small a portion as I could possibly get by on, essentially. And it was a lot of fruits and vegetables and not much else that went with it. And during that time, like late 90s, early 2000s it was the sort of uh low fat sort of stage that you know the whole industry was going through so I was definitely at that stage not knowing that much about nutrition I was going for anything that was low fat anything that had the title low fat on it I was reaching for it because essentially my mind fat equaled weight gain it equaled not looking very nice so I wanted to eliminate everything out of my diet that I possibly could that had any type of fat in it um it's pretty do you know what I mean looking back on it it's um it's a really sad thing that I tried so hard to do that one to do that to my body and two to hide it from other people and 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 I've spoken you know obviously working with clients in nutrition now I've spoken to a lot of people that have been through the same thing and it's essentially as you said you are trying to look to get to that point at any way that you can and that's how I coped and obviously still dancing in that as well and we'd have to you know thinking about it we'd have to say a lot of my injuries probably came back to my malnutrition too because I just really wasn't fueling my body for the amount of exercise I was doing what really tipped me over the edge was in my early 20s I had a lot of digestive issues so I'd been diagnosed with IBS um and at that stage, I, they didn't have the test for lactose and fructose intolerance, which I later then found out was actually fructose intolerance. But it got so bad to a point that, that I was in hospital and they were testing me thinking that I had p- potential bowel cancer. And for me, that was the point that something has to something has to change. And if I have bowel cancer at the age of 21, you know, have I done this to myself or is this a genetic thing, you know, and having been at uni at that time and still trying to, you know, work out my own, knowing having nutrition knowledge, but still trying to to apply it to myself was a really difficult thing still being within that dancer's realm. So I think, you know, moving out of the dancer's realm, getting that diagnosis and then really diving into the Pilates side of it changed a lot for me. Mm -hmm. So now I'm curious, what are like a couple of things that you wish all dancers could know if they're in a similar position to what you were still feeling like they have to look a certain way or want to look a certain way, but maybe they are already kind of aware of the fact that they can't just survive on fruits and vegetables, like what you were doing, but they're still in this place of like, okay, I, I want to be nutritionally healthy, but I still really care about my appearance. I'm still apprehensive. I don't really know what's, what is safe to eat or not. What would you want to tell those girls? I'd really say to work with a nutritionist or a dietitian, get some professional help. You can read so many different conflicting things. I think social media nowadays, you know, you'll be scrolling through on somebody's keto and somebody's vegan, and it's hard to know what is actually going to be right for your body. And when it comes to diet, it's really individual. You know, a lot of people will sort of say to me, oh, what diet do you recommend? 
And you, it's really working with somebody to find out, you know, what they work off best, you know, what, what, when they eat, what do they feel well after eating? You know, if somebody doesn't feel that great and has digestive issues after eating gluten, then that's probably something we shouldn't be eating. But another person might, you know, digest that really well. So definitely working with a professional, even if you have some doubts, um, speaking to people. So if you are going through this, don't go through it alone speak to your mum, speak to your teacher, speak to your friends, have somebody that you know is going to support you. And lastly, know that dance isn't the be and end all of your life. And it is such a short career cycle. And there is so much more when you're younger you just you know what I mean you, you get set on your goal that's it you don't think about potentially having kids or life after that so remember that dance isn't the end of it and different companies look for different things so here in Australia generally they tend to look for that that more thinner elf looking like physique but in Europe, they do tend to, a lot of Australian dancers end up working in Europe because they tend to go for more of the muscular look. So the other thing is, is to not yeah, pigeonhole yourself and know that there are other options around. Mm-hmm. That's so smart. I'm curious what you think really separates people from surviving versus thriving when it comes to what they're eating and drinking on an everyday basis and where people can find balance. Because I've always kind of personally been in the mindset of, okay, I'm eating something and I'm thinking, is this feeding me or is this actually fueling me? But I'm also someone that I love everything in moderation. So I'm like, I, I would never want to totally give up a food group. I could never swear off sugar forever or like never eat another brownie again. Like I love having everything in moderation like that. So what do you think differentiates that, that daily I hate the word diet, but like your daily diet of what you're eating on an everyday basis of surviving and thriving and really finding balance that works for you. I think a lot of it is mindset and a lot of people tend to, you need to do a to really deep dive into emotions as well. So mm. a lot of the time we will eat on autopilot or we will emotionally eat And speaking with people, I often just say before you actually, you know, open up that packet of biscuits or that packet of chips, just say to yourself, am I hungry? And just take that moment to register that. And sometimes, you know what, you're going to go, oh, who cares? I really want it. I'm going to have it anyway. But taking and just having that consciousness around thought around your food can really make a huge difference. And, you know, the difference, I'm the same. I always sort of say to people, a balanced approach is great. 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time we're eating healthy, 20% of the time have those indulgences. And when you're not eliminating those food groups, when it's not like, oh, I can't have that, you're probably more than likely generally not thinking all the time that I really want that cookie because, you know, if you want it, you can have it later on in the day. So again, changing your mindset around food, not being it's all or nothing, really having that balanced approach. But sometimes that is really hard for people. You know, sometimes people are, they're a little bit all or nothing with their exercise or or with their work. So it's changing the mindset around that and just being a little bit more conscious when you are making those choices. I love that you said that though, because I just had deja vu from an earlier episode of Thrive way long ago with a girl named Nyla, who's awesome, who literally said basically the same thing. So it's like you're preaching to the choir and it's, it's like a moment of truth where you, 
you end up craving more or wanting more of something that you aren't allowed to have. It's just how the human brain works. It seems like it's off limits and all of a sudden it's that much more attractive. So if you give yourself the grace and the permission to, yep, you're allowed to have a cookie, somehow our brain just clears up and it's not this like ravenous desire to down an entire thing of Oreos in one, in one sitting, because you're like, no, it's cool. Am I hungry for it? Am I not? Am I actually craving this Oreo or am I just trying to go all out with it? It really does make a difference. So I'm really glad that you uh, mentioned that. Yeah. And it's, you know, this type of thing that if you like, well, I can have a cookie today and you know what, I can have some chocolate tomorrow or I can have Mm -hmm. some ice cream tomorrow. When you know that there's nothing off limits and you can have it, you'll be happier having just a little bit today because you can have some more tomorrow. So I think trying to have that approach and look, it's it's not always perfect. Sometimes we do want to eat five cookies, not just one. Um, You know, it's never perfect. Having that grace with yourself and just making those conscious decisions can really help. Yeah, for sure. I know we have a lot of friends listening in who swear they just don't have the time to work out or who might think that maybe living a holistically healthier lifestyle is just too much work or it's too much time or for what they currently have, whatever their current stage of life is. So do you have any tips for really simplifying everything so that it's not this overwhelming, all-consuming thing for people and it's really just approachable for day-to-day life? Yeah, and this is what I specialize in when I work with people because you're right, everybody thinks, oh if they hear holistic health they're like well how many extra activities I'm going to be adding into my day you know I can't have a five-hour morning routine it just doesn't work and I always say to people just add one thing in at a time so you might add in that you know this week you're going to drink more water and so each day you're going to have a water bottle and that's your thing for the week so adding things in gradually really helps when it comes to workouts I always tell um, my women and that online within my membership that just start with 15 minutes 15 minutes it might be pilates it might be yoga it might be a walk but start with that and you'll usually feel better for doing it and often you'll want to do a bit more because you've already got those endorphins flowing and it feels really good and you might have been a bit niggly and that pain's gone so starting small and then when it comes to your health just picking simple foods so going back to all our whole foods so again our fruits our vegetables our whole grains And having just sort of five recipes that you know are really simple to make, you've generally got the ingredients at home. So they're kind of your go-to. So if you get stuck one night and it's getting later and you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, nearly 7.30, I haven't organized dinner, I could just order takeaway. You've always got a backup of just some staples at home and an easy recipe to go to. That's so smart. Do you have, what's like your favorite go-to for yourself off the top of your head? Um, generally it's just like a frittata or, you know, something that I can like mix in some eggs and veggies and it's pretty easy and set to go. So either that or a roast vegetable salad. So I've always got some veggies, you know, 20 minutes in the oven, 20 to 30 minutes. You just cut up some, say broccoli, carrots, capsicum, throw it all in the oven, roast it up, add in some protein if you want to add in some protein and then you can make up a a dressing. So some olive oil, squeeze of some citrus or vinegar, um, a few herbs if you've got fresh or dried um, and sprinkle that over the top and it's delicious and made in under half an hour. So something like that's super easy to do. Oh yeah, that sounds incredible. (laughs) 
Awesome. Okay. This is random, but well, not really random, but I'm really curious. Can you walk <laughs> us through like a few Pilates moves over the mic so that people can try a few moves at home or just explain a specific posture or just something that maybe people can give, give a go after they're done listening to this episode, especially if they're not able to get into a studio, definitely if they can't get into your studio, if they're across the globe. Um, but something that could kind of get people used to what the breathing might be like, or what a typical posture, um, might be. Yeah, sure. So a really easy one is your seated posture. And this comes into play because majority of the time, you know, you're either working and sitting at a computer or everybody's sitting down at some point. So a really easy one is if you slide your hands in underneath your bottom, okay, you're going to feel a bony landmark on each side and they're your sit bones. So we want to make sure that when we're seated, we're seating right in the center of them. So we don't want to tip forward on them. We don't want to lean back. Make sure you're right in the center. And when you find that center, you can then slide your hands out and you should feel that your abdominals, your lower abdominals, so just above your underwear line, is just sort of slightly engaged so that's our deep lower core so from there we want to visualize our spine lengthening up towards the ceiling so think of the top of the head being drawn up towards the ceiling and you're creating that nice little space between the vertebrae shoulders are just going to relax so just think if you can give them a little shake or do a few shoulder rolls back to open up the chest and you're sort of just resetting everything then from there, lastly, you're going to feel that your chin is just gently drawing in towards the back of the neck. So just ever so slightly draw that chin in and you're sitting in your ideal postural position. Now with your breath, as you breathe in, I want you to visualize the breath going all the way down to the base of your lungs and think of your lungs like a balloon. So you're going to inhale and expand your lungs three-dimensionally, front sides and backs as you inhale. And as you exhale, think of that balloon just gently deflating. So you're going to allow all the air to escape, but it's just going to gently float and relax back down. Again, take a nice deep inhale through the nose, feel the lungs really expanding in all directions. And then as you exhale and breathe out, see if you can feel just a gentle tightening around those lower abdominals. And essentially, that's the breath pattern we teach in Pilates. As we exhale, we're engaging pelvic floor and our deep lower abdominals called your transverse abdominus. And as you're inhaling, you're letting everything relax. So breathing in and out through the nose activates our parasympathetic nervous system. And that's our rest and digest state. So it also means that you are going to calm the body, okay, calm the system, help reduce your cortisol levels. So that's our stress hormone. And that's generally why when people finish Pilates, they're generally happier. <laughs> One, they've been moving their body around. But two, they generally feel a lot more calmer because we spend so much time focusing on the breath. So even just having, as we were talking before, that awareness, that awareness of your breath, you can utilize it just in every day. If you have to sit at your desk for a, a long day, you know, you're starting to get tight through the chest or the neck, you can just reset your posture, do a few nice deep breaths and help just to get rid of any of those sort of niggles that sort of tend to come through. And what's so cool about that too, is it's such a good reminder that you don't actually have to be physically in a gym or in a studio or paying for an expensive anything to 
be healthy and move your body and get a good workout in. Like there are so many little tweaks and shifts that you can make literally in how you sit at your desk. Like what you just said, that still activate muscle groups that still allow you to breathe in a healthy way. Like that is super cool. I remember my mom always telling me that growing up, like if you have no time to go to actually get a workout in, think of how you're going up steps. Are you just like lazily walking up the steps or are you kind of hastening a little bit, tightening your muscles, like actually thinking of the little opportunities here and there where you're not getting this full sweaty 30 minute workout in, but you're still activating your muscles. You're still moving your body in a way that matters. And that's, that always stuck with me because I'm like, you know what? It's not, it's okay because we all have had it happen where you miss a workout or you're just in a stage of life where it feels impossible and it's still possible to be healthy and to live and nurture your body and your mind in a way that feels good and and is good. Yeah. And you said it perfectly. And I think sometimes too, you know, we tend to think that we do have to go, it has to be super hard or it's not worth doing at all. And our bodies get so much benefit from any type of movement. So if there's one thing I can say to people throughout your day, just move, whether or not it's rotating to grab something, you know, you add some squats in because you're waiting for something in the microwave to cook or, you know, those types of things. And like you said, incremental sort of exercise. So when you park the car at the supermarket, you don't have to park right next to the front door of the supermarket, park a little further away, get a, you know, a few more steps in for the day because it, it all adds up. And the studies show that you will get the same amount of benefit from doing you know, five lots of five minutes throughout your day, then as same as doing a 25 minute workout. So it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as it's adding up throughout the day. It's so smart. I love this. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on Thrive. I want to wrap things up by asking you something I ask all guests, which is what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, that's a tough one adding it in short, isn't it? I guess really thriving for me is feeling happy and healthy. So the combination of the two, being free of pain. So that's a big one, having a lot of pain in my earlier life. Thriving for me is not having any pain. And I guess just having relationships that are obviously meaningful and keeping my thoughts positive. So, you know, the definition of health, I'm sure you've heard before, is being free of disease. But thriving is so much more than that if we don't have that happiness factor there um, then it's just it's not really thriving for me I love that so tell everyone where they can find you online if they want to connect with you further and especially check out I do know you have online workouts and and the like so tell everyone where they can check you out more Sure. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram, just at Mind Movement Health. And uh, I've got a website as well, which you can check out, which is mindmovementhealth.com.au. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.